So this is not my normal space or spot to be. And uh, what happens is, for those of you who stepped into a pulpit, uh, your mind starts racing. I was sitting over there and I was looking at pastor's water was here. I'll probably pick up that communion cup and use it by accident. So I was looking at pastor's water and my mind said, oh, what if he leaves that water there and then I drink out of his bottle? <laughs> and then my mind raced back to Andy. Remember, we were down in North Carolina visiting um, family there and, and we went to this little church. And the pastor said to me, uh, Brother Owens, I was a new Christian. He said, why don't you come preach for us tonight? And I said, oh, okay. So I had a message, and, and, uh, but when I stepped into the pulpit, I think I've told you this before, my mouth went dry, my lips stuck to my uh, gums, my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth, and nothing would come out. Well, there was a water sitting here, or a cup of some sort, and I grabbed it and drank it to at least be able to speak, and then later I thought, I think I just drank their flower water. So they never told me uh, if I did or not, but it just was such an odd space for it to be. But uh, that's that's the kind of things that happen. But I came into church today, and I was blessed when I got here. Uh, I walked in there, and I heard a uh, uh, Ben and a uh, group of other people practicing a, practicing a song. And uh, if you were to go into my phone, I have a note for songs for some time in the future in my life, and. Two of them were, uh, give me Jesus and I'll fly away. Um, and I got to hear both of those today. So I was like, well, that was, uh, that was a blessing right from the start. Normally what happens for me is I, I'll be reading the word of God and something stands out in my mind and, uh, and I'll jot it down and I'll, I'll look for practical. I look for practical little things to, uh, to apply. And I, this, this really, this lesson came about in a different avenue. Um, I wasn't reading the Word of God when it took place, but I started to think back and say, where is it? And Pastor has been uh, teaching throughout the whole year, and, and a, there are a lot of um, uh, agricultural uh, type of illustrations through the Scripture, and he mentioned some uh, this morning, being planted by a tree, uh, looking under the fields, they're white under harvest, all of these different uh, areas. And what I'm calling this uh, this I don't want to say it's a preaching message at all, uh, but it's, I called it Lessons from My Lawn. Lessons from My Lawn. A few years back, I had turned over care of my lawn uh, to, uh, I just turned it over. I did, didn't do it anymore and was like, you know, here, someone else, you take care of this. Uh, and what I started realizing was that it would become uh, unkempt and overgrown, it had become uh, spotty over a period of time, and it really did reach a point uh, that the appearance was embarrassing. Uh, at least that's what Joanne would tell me. Uh, it was neglected, and it was easy to tell uh, that it was neglected and given a little bit of given very little attention. Uh, bear with me for a moment. Let's uh, let's pray. My Father, I do pray that you'd help me to uh, maintain my thoughts, give me clarity. Uh, as we move through this, Lord, there's not a man who can stand behind a pulpit and do this on their own. Uh, the Spirit of God must do a work. So, Holy Spirit, we do pray that you guide, direct, and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 
So what I started to uh, notice that was mixed in amongst uh, the weeds that were in my yard were these little bright spots of, of grass that were growing. But the weeds were really overshadowing everything. Everywhere you looked, uh, the front yard was a mess. It was smothered by an abundance of weeds. And I noticed that it really had, it had taken a few years for that to happen. It started off in one little area, and then it just... Uh, uh, continued to spread, it continued to spread out, uh, and the the weeds really started just overtaking uh, every aspect or area that was good. And I realized that that's much like sin in our lives. The scripture says that a little leaveneth, a leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Uh, I started looking up and I realized that one crabgrass plant, which we had thousands of them, one crabgrass plant can produce up to 150,000 seeds in a year. And you wonder where, you know, where does this proliferation take place? Uh, it doesn't take very much at all. And I thought about our Christian life and what starts as a thought. And when that thought is not brought into captivity or brought into compliance and submission to Christ, but it's pondered and it's entertained and it's examined, the thought life, it takes on a life of its own. Uh, it grows and absorbs our complacency. It's feeding upon our lack of effort. Uh, you see that sin never yields and goes away. Sin has to be rooted out and destroyed. It's not just going to lay down and, and uh, leave you alone. That's not how it takes place. At the end of last summer, uh, the lawn really just got to the point where I'm like, okay, you've got to do something about this. You've got to pay attention to it. You've got to take and get some effort into bringing this uh, back about. Um, again, that's at least what Joanne told me. Uh, but um, so the repairs got underway. Um, just like the Christian life, I realized it's my responsibility to get out there and take care of that lawn. Nobody else was going to do it for me. It was my responsibility. So over the spring and into the summer, Reggie and Ryan would come over and they'd help me uh, out there in the yard and we'd get some work going. We'd get some things taking place. Uh, J.R. would come over and he would help and he'd get involved in the effort. And I realized that while God was sending those alongside of, uh, of me to help, uh, it was still my responsibility. It was the load that I had to bear, but the most part, it had been hours and hours and hours of effort that I had to get out there and get involved and take the lead in what was going on. And I realized at one point that much of the work that I was doing in the yard was taking place on my hands and knees. And I thought, well, that's interesting, just like our Christian life. Some of the greatest effort that we ever put into the Christian life is going to take place on our hands and knees. Maybe prostrate before the Lord. Ephesians 4 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God sends help to us. He provides a place for guidance. You have that here. He gives us instruction and encouragement. Uh, but, you know, they're not enough. They can't bear the load. Those people that God sends, those pastors and teachers, your Sunday school teacher, your friends here at church, they cannot 
dedicate enough time and resources to you on an individual basis. It has to be that you're going to take the responsibility. They can bolster your effort. They can provide pointers and principles. They can encourage you to press on. But all the effort in the world is wasted when you're not willing to accept that your spiritual condition is your responsibility and you have to champion that cause. You have to be the one who champions. I have to be the one who champions my spiritual condition. As I look back, the responsibility, uh, I look back that responsibility and, and I was determined to see results, but it was going to take time. It was going to take effort. It was going to take resources. Uh, I, I'm serious, crawling around in the front yard for hours and, until it got to the point where my neighbors would drive by and they'd say things to me. I'd go, anytime I'd walk by, I said, listen, if I have two minutes where I can get on my knees and pull some of these weeds, I'm going to get on my knees. And, and uh, my friend Mike Chicos, he would drive by and he'd yell out, what are you doing now? You know, and, or different neighbors would say things. And, and I, it got to the point of like, okay, you know, I'm I'm going to try and do this at 5 o'clock in the morning when I'm letting the dog out so that they don't have to see me. Um, But as I was doing that, God started to bring spiritual applications into my thought. And then as the effort proceeded each day, I'd I'd think of this other little item uh, and it would just stand out. Some little principle would stand out as I'm out here working in the yard. Uh, I oftentimes, I, I really do, I learn in simplicity and clarity um, I remember Pastor Peslak used to mention about uh, always wanting to put things on the bottom shelf. Uh, sometimes that's a little too low because, you know, you don't want to do that bending over anymore. Your knees and back hurt and all that. But uh, I, I, I really do. I look and I try and train myself to look and, and see God's hand in every aspect of life and in every situation. What's God doing? What can I learn? And, yes, there were things that I learned uh, from working out in my lawn. And the very first thing I learned was... That, that, that item right there, it's my responsibility. I have to be the one to take the lead. But then as I was working, I noticed something. I realized that weeds grew best in the areas of the hard-packed soil. A pastor mentioned and taught on the path soil uh, in one of his messages in the past, and I think he mentioned it in the past uh, uh, within a week or so. But he mentioned that in the path soil, the good seed gets trampled underfoot and the ground gets packed down and the seed can't grow. But the seeds of crabgrass, like the seed of sin, find their ability to root in that hard, packed it, it's in their DNA. They can grow in, the, in any spot they touch a little bit of dirt. And I thought, well, sin, isn't that just like a little tiny bit of dirt in our life? And, and those weeds can just take off from there. Wherever, wherever that seed contacts that dirty soil, uh, it allows them to germinate. The thing about the weeds is they don't often go deep, but they spread across the surface, growing and widening their coverage. And where they root, you'll find they root from one area to another. We might have a patch of, I'd be out there working, I'd have a patch of really nice lawn, and I'd start pulling that weed out, and I'd realize that it didn't just go right where I saw it, but a root went below the, the surface of the good grass, and all of a sudden that same weed would sprout up in another area, uh, in that other hard-packed soil. 
And I realize that sin's roots spread and tentacles pop up in varying places, but they can often be traced back to a single source. It may be that you're counseling with somebody or you're dealing with somebody or, or you have an issue in your life and you think, oh, here's the issue. I, I, my, one of my children is having a drug problem or, or there's an immorality problem or some other aspect that's going on. That's always the outward sign of another problem that's taking place. It really started with some little problem inside that just sort of sprouted and grew. And it spread those tentacles of sin out into your life. And, and now it's become, there's an outward sign of what's going on. Uh, one of the remedies that I realized uh, for addressing weeds in the soil is that the soil needs to be loosened up. The soil needs to be loosened. And wherever you find weeds are prospering, uh, you've got to break up that soil. Oh, sounds like a scripture verse coming, huh? One of the, uh, in Jeremiah 4, it says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. In Hosea chapter 10, it says, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. One definition that I found of fallow ground, it says this, fallow ground is that which has been left unattended or unused for a year or more. I was like, that's interesting. That spiritual thing that you used to do, that sat unattended or it sat unused, that ground becomes hard and you know what? It becomes weed producing. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to get back involved in some of those things that we used to do. That's fallow ground. Do you have an area in your life that you look and go, yeah, I used to. I used to. I used to. It's not too late to turn it around. Farmers will fallow their fields. And here's what it said. Farmers will fallow their fields as a sure method of destroying weeds and rendering it mellow and easily yielding. So, you know, we think, oh, break up that fallow ground. But once the ground is fallowed, it's very soft, it's very smooth, it's very malleable, it's very usable, and it's easy to form it. And it's like that potter for the, the, the clay for the potter to form. Getting back or involved in that which is spiritual breaks up the fallow ground of our lives and prepares it for use. The next thing I noticed, uh, not only did the weeds proliferate in the hard-packed soil that needs to be broken up, is that weeds like sin proliferate in drought conditions. Drought is always brought about by a lack of water, and drought is always solved by an abundance of water. That was a drought condition. Too often, though, Christians choose to live under self-imposed drought conditions. Think about that for a moment. Our drought conditions in the Christian life are self-imposed. I don't know what it's like, brother. Maybe you can tell us at some point or tell me. I was saying this morning, I wonder what it's like in another country that doesn't have the word of God. How do the Christians prosper? How do they get by? Now, we don't have that. We don't have an issue like that. Uh, you, can, you can go to the store and get a Bible for a dollar, uh, a, a good one. Uh, you can have the word of God. But Christians oftentimes choose to live under self-imposed drought conditions. As I was out working in the yard, uh, I would be uh, hours after hours after hours uh, running the sprinkler and running the hose around, pouring and spreading water across the soil. And it seemed to me like this is an endless effort. I mean, I'm, I'm watering the lawn and, and there were signs that you had to look for of when you were finally getting enough water into the soil. And it was an everyday uh, necessity. 
In Deuteronomy 17, God instructed the king, he said, When he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of our life, all the days of his life. Every single day, we need to have that. We need to have that resource of the word of God pouring that water on us because it, it, it brings a life of its own and it brings to life uh, uh, spiritual activity inside of us. In our country, drought conditions of the Word of God for the Christian should be non-existent because they're always self-imposed. If you're having a drought in your life of the Word of God, it's self-imposed. If you're not involved with the Word of God, it's self-imposed. It's a decision that you're, uh, uh, you're under. Breaking up a drought is not done by a one-time deluge of water followed by more drought conditions. That's oftentimes what we do. Uh, we, we say, oh, I haven't read the Word of God. Well, you know what? Pick up where you left off. And, and don't, there, it's, it's impossible you say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read the Word of God this whole week. I'm going to read through Bible, Genesis to Revelation. No, you, you'll get so discouraged and you'll, uh, you're, you're just, you can't attempt it like that. It has to be followed up by a steady application of water that is consistently applied over time. The water seeps deeper and deeper into the soil, providing a resource and storing up that moisture for use by the Spirit of God. Uh, but oftentimes what happens is we we get in there and we say, okay, I'm going to jump back in. And then we miss a day and we say, oh, you know what? Just jump back in again and jump back in again and jump back in again. Don't, don't fall for that lie of the devil or believe the flesh or anything else that, oh, it's no use. It's no use. I remember I, I had that young man one time tell me, I read the Word of God for six months and look what it good did it do me. I don't know. Tell me that 30 years from now. Tell me that 40 years from now. Tell me that 50 years from now uh, that you've read the Word of God like that. You don't, don't try and just deluge that, that ground. It's, sometimes it's just going to run across the surface. It's, just, it's not going to absorb in. It's got to be a consistent, consistent, consistent application of the Word of God. One of the things that I noticed, so we, so we have to break up that fallow ground. We have to make sure that we're getting that consistent uh, water going on there. But one of the things that I noticed was what it was like to work without water. Prior to getting sufficient water into the soil, I noticed something interesting. As I, as I crawled around pulling those weeds out, there were numerous times as I applied external pressure to the weeds, I'd, I'd, I knew enough, I'd get in the grass and I'd, I'd get a hold of that weed right down near the, the dirt and I'd start applying external pressure to it and I would find that sometimes it would break off at the surface and I'd stand back and think, wow, the, the grass looks great, this area of the yard looks much better than it did before, but the root of the weed was intact and it would start growing shortly after that. And I started thinking that this is often how we treat ourselves, or maybe when we're counseling with someone else, we treat them. We start applying external pressure, uh, and the immediate result is a conformity to what is expected, but all the pressure did was broke off that sin evidence in their life at the surface, and it never addressed the root. We've got to be very careful. I think it was, again, you know, one of the pastors here, and we'd, we'd hear them mention about the uh, uh, conforming but not transforming. And we're always looking to be uh, bringing about a transformation, not just conforming. Uh, it didn't address the root. But one of the things that took place 
uh, as I would water the lawn. And then I started realizing they, they tell you if you, can, if you can push a hoe into the ground a certain number of inches that you can tell if you're getting uh, a proper watering done. Um, but as I continued watering the lawn over a period of time, I started to notice that when I would do that same thing, I'd crawl around the lawn and I'd try pulling those weeds out, that the areas of grass that had been consistently watered, uh, the vast majority of them, I was able to pull that weed out and the root would come right up with it. I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. Because you look at our life and we, we put pressure on our children. We put pressure on those in church with us. We put external pressure on, oh yeah, and okay, so maybe, you know, maybe Jim wore a tie to church today. Um, and, and, you know, wow, that was a big deal, but it was just because you were putting so much pressure on me. We want it to be something else and brought from the inside. When dealing with the root of sin in ourselves and others, make sure that an abundance of water has been and continues to be applied. I just, I like I said, crawling around the lawn and all of a sudden, boom, I'm pulling these weeds out that were well watered. And it was like, it's just like that. You're, it's rooting sin out of our life. It's just like rooting the weeds out of the grass. Romans 12 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, it's going to take time. I was 25 years old when I got saved. I had a lot of baggage that I had to uh, learn and address. And you know what I find? The renewing of my mind is continuing on. It's still going. It's still taking place. I've always got to be aware of what's taking place around me. I've got to be uh, 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 constantly examining what my thought life is like, what's going on. Am I bringing every thought into captivity? Am I bringing every thought into subjection to Christ? One of the things that I took place, so after I noticed that the water, I started really getting to a spot where I felt like this, this is an overwhelming task. Being out here in the yard, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm only working on the front yard. I have a, a half acre to three quarters of an acre behind me that I don't even look out the back window. It's too scary. But here I'm, I'm working and I have about a, a ten foot area to the left of our sidewalk when you walk out the front door. And uh, uh, so we're out there and I'm, we're pulling the weeds and we're doing all this. And as it progressed, it really did. It started becoming an overwhelming task as I'd look out there and I'd see these weeds just growing and growing and growing. Um, but I decided that what I would do is I would attack specific areas. Well, I wasn't wanting to ignore areas of the lawn and the trouble uh, that there was, but it helped me to bring uh, and it helped me uh, to apply a greater effort in specific areas and less in others. Now, what I would do was I might work an hour over in this spot on the weeds in this area, and ten minutes over here. I didn't ignore that area. I didn't ignore those problems that were going on in this part of the yard, but I was giving more attention to some specific uh, areas here. Galatians chapter 5 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, uh, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And I thought, you know, there shouldn't be one of these that are named or attributed to us as a Christians. But for most of us, as you examine yourself, if you start trying to attack every one of these areas at the same time, you're going to find that it's, it's a difficult task. Now, God can do it. With God, nothing is impossible. And He will start... You, you start applying the Word of God and you start letting that water soak in. You're going to find things that fall away that you've put no effort into. 
I can remember as a young man, I, I, I wasn't into addictions or things like that, but I had a reveling style uh, mentality. And I remember that a group came on a Saturday. Uh, do you remember? I think it might have been called Jews for Jesus back then when we were in the CBI building and they came and preached. And, uh, and we had a service on a Saturday night. And all I remember being in the service was I went forward and I said, Lord, I don't like this reveling lifestyle. It wasn't anything crazy going on, but it just... The Lord was doing something. And I said, you've got to take this away because I've tried to, I've tried to dump it off and I've tried to put it aside and it just keeps coming back and it just keeps coming back and it just keeps coming back. And I just, all I did was walk forward in that service and got on my knees and said, Lord, I really need you to do a work here. And you look back on years and go, wow, how did that disappear? He did it. He did it. We don't want these things named once among us, uh, uh, but attacking them all uh, creates a problem for us at times. I, I heard uh, Dave Ramsey, I think it was, um, recently, he was asked why in his financial uh, uh, counseling that he does, does he say to people, attack the little debts that you have and then attack the larger debts? Why not go after the ones that have the highest interest rate? And why aren't you attacking the ones that have the biggest uh, impact? And he said, because I found that over the years that people will get discouraged when they start attacking the, the large debt in their life. But if I can get them to attack those small little areas, they start finding that there's progress being made. And as I was, as I was looking out there at the lawn, I had to really come up with a focused approach and it started to lead to noticeable progress. I'd come out the front door and I'd look to the left and I'd see that the weeds were becoming sparse and the noticeable results that I was seeing were buoying my spirit and then there was a willingness to continue to move to the other side of the sidewalk and, and start pulling the weeds and, and eradicating those troubling spots on that side. What I found was that the focused approach trained my eye, and as I went back to look over an area that was cleaned up, it only took me a glance to see that a small sprout of weed was starting uh, to grow back in that area. See, sin doesn't ever walk away and just say, oh, I'll give up on you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hide in that background, and it's got to be rooted out and destroyed. Um, these small hidden weeds were quick and easy to dress. So I'd walk out the front door and I got like three or four weeds over there tonight. I noticed them as I was walking out, but I didn't want to get my hands dirty before I uh, came to church. But these small hidden weeds that I'd start seeing, I could see them immediately. And it's like sin in our life. You know, we, we start to see God cleaning things up. And then, then you know what happens? We take and we examine ourselves and we see this small root of a problem taking place. And it's so much easier to walk over. When I go over to those weeds that are growing on that left side of the sidewalk now, I can just, I can look across that 10, 15 foot area and I can see them right away. Oh, you're not hiding from me. I see you there. Boom. And I can walk over and pluck it out. And I can walk over there and pluck it out. And I can walk over there and pluck it out. Just like we need to do with the Christian life. But don't be surprised to find the seeds of sin always looking for a place to root and grow. Let me give you two areas of caution. So we have the, the fallow ground that needs to be broken up and the application of, of the water, that constant flow of water that we need. But two areas of caution as you examine yourself for the weeds and sprouts of sin. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was the weeds were very easy to see. They were easy to see. Well, why is that a problem? Because as I was making an effort to recognize weeds and sins and root them out of my life, I started noticing my neighbor's lawn. 
and I started noticing all the weeds that they had in their lawn. Oh. See, what happens when we start getting cleaned up and the Spirit of God starts doing the work? Mm. I start noticing what's going on in people around me. But see, that's not my responsibility. That's not my area. I pull into a property and the weeds in the front lawn scream out in my view. They become noticeable. Why aren't they being addressed? Can't you see what they're doing? Don't you know the damage the roots of sin are causing? Are you oblivious to the problems it's causing your life? No, they're probably not oblivious to them. They know what's going on. You don't, you know, I, I know what's wrong with me. I don't, you know, I can look and I can tell you what's wrong with you, but it's not my business, no. It's not my role to examine and critique. It's your responsibility to examine yourself and critique yourself. I, I honestly love to be my own biggest critic. I, why? Because I want the little things to be gone. And, and each one of us should do that. But you know what? I've got no right and I've got no responsibility in some measure. In some measure, I've got no right and no responsibility to start trying to take care of your weed problem. So what, that, that's a problem? Yeah, it's a problem because weeds become very noticeable. I love that little left-hand side of the sidewalk right outside my house, but the right side is still a mess. And I looked at the church front lawn and I thought, nope, not looking there. That's yeah, Pastor Mike's problem. That's not, that's not Jim's problem. The second area of caution, I called it uh, trespassing because the temptation is strong to step over into another person's property and attempt to pluck out and root out the weeds that you see. But you see, that's not allowed unless you're invited. Sometimes it's, you know, I, I use that silly illustration with my children at times. I would tell them, look, at if you reach over and touch that stove, it's hot. It's going to burn you. I've warned them. I've cautioned them. I've explained it to them, and when they reach over and they touch the hot stove, honestly, I'm mean-spirited enough to go, told you so. But it's not our place unless you're invited. You can come alongside and help when you're requested. You can offer guidance when asked. You encourage them uh, to make sure they're faithfully applying the water. Breaking up that fallow ground, how? By getting back involved in spiritual things that they used to do. Or if they never were involved in spiritual things, you get them involved. Get get them to come alongside and and do something spiritual with you. In the meantime, you've got to keep an eye on your spiritual plot. Watching for signs of sprouting weeds. Removing them early and often. And what you find as you do that, you just now all of a sudden you start looking. I walk out that door and I look at that left side area that's gotten a little more attention. We're still working on the others. And I see, I see growth. I see good seed that's now germinated and it's, and it's flourishing and it's taking place. And it's just like what happens in that Christian life. We remove those, we remove those signs of sin in our life early and we remove them Often, because it doesn't give up, don't forget that, and then we'll watch the efforts pay off. Is it a, is it a short-term effort? Nope. Nope. It's a long-term job. It's a long-term responsibility. Oh, I actually think it's a lifelong job and responsibility that we have to be involved in. Let's pray. My Father, I do ask that you would take these simple little thoughts, um, simple little illustrations from working out in the yard, and help us to examine ourselves, to be loving and kind toward others, to be helpful when we can, 
but my Father, that our examination would be of us and looking at Christ and saying, am I Christ-like in spirit? Am I struggling in these areas? Uh, Lord, help us to uh, uh, remedy the drought situations that we oftentimes place ourselves in. Uh, My Father, would you teach us and guide us how to break up that fallow ground? Uh, Holy Spirit, would you continue to work, guide, and direct? We'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen.